Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Seven Things Every Person Should Know About Bankruptcy, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Howard Shore, founder and CEO of Activate Group, Inc., is a best-selling author and serial entrepreneur specializing in liberating C-suite teams from the barriers holding them back personally and professionally. After owning and selling several of his own companies, working with numerous top Fortune 500 companies, and training with performance-enhancing organizations like Scaling Up and Gazelles, Howard has become a sought-after business mentor executive coach, and keynote speaker. His clients work in family-owned, multinational, public, and private companies, ranging from $1 million to over $1 billion in annual revenue. As a member of the National Speakers Association, his talks cover employee empowerment, cash flow enhancement, human capital management, entrepreneurial freedom, and business growth. So, Howard, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, I want you to give a little bit more background on yourself as well and tell us how you actually started in this line of work. Well, so I started out as an entrepreneur. I owned my first business when I was 18 and I sold it when I was 21. And then I went to college and figured out all the things I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know when I did it. And so it started out there. Very fun. That's interesting. That's quite young to have started and sold your first business, but that's amazing. Uh, yes, yes. And and then the rest of the journey, uh, when I went from there, I, I grew up in, in three Fortune 500 companies, and mm-hmm. uh, I ascended through those companies uh, fairly well. And uh, and as I looked around, I, I realized that there had to be a better way for leadership, um, a better way to... Uh, enable and 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 harness the people that were around us because I was in three fantastic companies and I could tell you that uh, most of the time they were getting at best fifty percent of the real capabilities of you know getting fifty percent of what they could out of the people they had most of the people that were around me in those environments were uninspired unengaged, not being creative. And meanwhile, these companies were still big Goliaths and doing well. I'm like, God, there's got to be a better way to be be able to harness these people. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, we're going to be talking about culture today. And I know a lot of people probably understand the definition of that. But I first would like you to actually just explain your definition of culture as it relates to our topic today. Okay, so as it relates to our our topic today, it's, it's really the 
behaviors of how people treat each other, their customers, their vendors, and and you know, culture is really our way of being. And then it's our way of enabling and and um, and unlocking those people that are in our environment. Mm-hmm. It's so important to actually think about that too. And I, especially now, there's so many people that are working remotely. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little bit, you know, later in the segments too. But really keeping in mind, it's still important to focus on culture, even if we're not all together in the same room. So what would you say is a culture of accountability and why is it essential? So it's interesting. So to, to have accountability, so you know, this is a perennial challenge for us leaders. Uh, how do we make and, and, and get our environment so that everyone feels self-accountable? And so there's different systems inside our company that causes uh, this culture of accountability to happen. So first, it's really defining your culture and way of being, uh, but it's also how cohesive your teams are. It's the systems and process you build around accountability. And then it's the feedback loop through the human capital management system that we drive all of it. So there's really four systems working together. And when they're, when you have that ecosystem correct, you find a lot more, if not all of your employees are giving 100% and, and owning what you need them to own. Mm-hmm. And do you want to touch on a little bit like what might be in each of those systems that you just mentioned? Perfect. So so an example of what would be in the system of, of culture would be core values. And, and a lot of companies have created them, but they really haven't uh, driven those core values throughout all of their processes in their company to make sure that everybody gets it and everybody's expected to behave that way and does behave that way. So first, that's what would be the starting point of building a culture. And then when you get into team cohesiveness, I'm a big fan of Pat Lanchoni and and his five dysfunctions of a team and and for teams to work really well. And if you really want people to be accountable, you know, first it starts with trust. And if you don't have a foundation of trust, then everything else falls apart. And then when you have that, then you can have the right conflict so that as you want people to do certain things, you have the back and forth in the ways that it needs to be so that ultimately people commit. And, and then after they've committed to something because they feel like they've been heard and they're in it, then that's where your accountability processes come in and then eventually you get better results. And then inside your accountability uh, system of processes inside your company, you're going to be very clear on what priorities are, what metrics you expect, uh, and you're also going to have meeting loops to to stay focused on those priorities and what you expect. And then in the human capital management system, as it relates to this, what's your feedback loop to employees when they're either doing what you wanted so you're patting them on the back or they're off course and we need to get them on course, having the right feedback loop is essential to reinforcing accountability. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's a great start to this uh, explanation too. I'm sure there's so much into this whole topic. But I would love for you to also explain to me then what your definition is of active management. So active management to me is uh, is our spending most of our time as leaders focusing on coaching, developing, and, and, and guiding our team members. So really most people think management is, is I just send out a bunch of uh, – requirements and then people go and and does them and then the managers go into meetings. The number one job of a manager is to lead those people. And and so uh, active management is making sure priorities are clear and unambiguous. Active management is making sure that outcomes are, are, are clear as well. Uh, active management is when people are off course, you're coaching them to get them back on course. And active management is also making sure that when people do what we expect of them, that we, we actually give them that credit and, and pat them on the back so they do it again. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. I actually saw an article maybe within the last six months or so, I don't remember exactly when, but it was saying that employees leave because of their management, not necessarily because of the pay or they don't like, you know, the duties they're doing, but often it's the management above them that they just don't really want to be under anymore. 
Yeah, uh, our research has shown that 70% of people leaving, it, it, it's caused by the manager. And then also, if you look at employee engagement scores, uh, so Gallup is, is famous for that, uh, 70% of the causal effect of people not giving full effort, people not being committed to your organization, has to do with how they're led and managed. Mm-hmm. So it's important for those who are in management or maybe those who are even moving into management to really look at this aspect and realize that you have a major impact on the employees and who stays and who's going. Agreed. Management matters. So what is constructive conflict? So constructive conflict. So let's talk about what's not constructive. Is uh, not constructive is name calling. Not constructive mm-hmm. is demeaning people. Uh, non-productive or non-constructive uh, uh, conflict is when we are we're 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 attacking people in a discussion. Uh, when we are actually doing conflict correctly, actually, by the way, if you have meetings and there's no conflict, it's a bad meeting. <laughs> it means it, it means that there's a lack of trust in the room mm-hmm. uh, for, in different dimensions. So people aren't speaking up and saying what's on their mind. It, mm-hmm. it means that the leader is taking over the meeting rather than engaging everybody in the discussions. And so when we have constructive conflict, there's give and take on different subjects. And we want to hear everybody out. And we really want to hear the things that are different from our perspectives. And that's really by having this constructive conflict, we can come to better decisions and better outcomes. Right. And I think then the people will feel, you know, appreciated and that their opinions matter. And, you know, it's not just a waste of time to go to these meetings, but they can really express what they're thinking and feeling. And, you know, hopefully all of the people's perspectives are taken into consideration when management makes any decisions. Yes. And, you know, imagine if somebody's asked you to do something, you totally don't disagree with it. They don't even want to hear what you have to say. And now you're expected to go out and give 1000% to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not going to happen. Right. That's so true. So why is it such a challenge then to have a culture of accountability? Well, so first of all, look what how I described it in the beginning. It, it's mm-hmm. affected by four key systems in companies. Uh, But there's a couple of things that I think affect it a lot is, so first of all, what are people's leadership styles? So is it plantation management going on in the company? Uh, You know, if you have that going on, you're going to find accountability to be an issue. So how the managers are leading the people will cause whether people are going to be accountable or not. So, So first, it starts with the leader's mindset of the people that work for them and uh, also, uh, I'm going to put ego in there as well. Mm-hmm. I, and then earlier when we were talking about those four different areas, you mentioned core values. And I know a lot of people listening probably understand what you mean. But in case we have someone who's not quite sure you know, what that entails, can you actually describe core values? Actually, that's a great question. And so we see a lot of organizations creating core values that don't, that are more uh action steps they want people to take or, or there are uh, their codes of conduct. But to see core values is the character traits we expect of every employee every day they come to work. We need them to consistently demonstrate them. And there's two different types of core value uh, or these character traits. There's performance character traits and there's moral character traits. So the moral ones are the obvious ones, integrity Mm -hmm. and honesty and that kind of stuff. And then there's the performance ones which, you know, we get things done. And and normally what you're going to see is there's not a balanced set of core values created in the organization. Many of them, if not all of them, are usually performance-based. And the ones Mm -hmm. that are transformational and cause the performance you want are the moral ones. And I don't see enough of those in the core value sets inside companies. Right. And I think it's important for people to even use these core values in their interviews, don't you think? So they can tell the candidate like, okay, these are the most important things to our company. So they can decide like, yes, I can fit into that culture or no, that's really not for me. And they can, you know, all save time, I guess, at that point, instead of going through the hiring process. So, so, 
So I do agree. And, and what I want the people listening to this to think about is you need to be cult-like. So mm-hmm. you, you have a DNA coding based on these core values that when anybody does business with you, they know what to expect because everybody from your, your organization is going to be behaving the same way. And it needs to be built from the, from the, from even from when you're posting the job to the onboarding process. And then you've got to repeat yourself a lot. And almost to the point where you're like, I'm really going to say this again. But Mm -hmm. every time you give feedback, you should tie it to a core value, whether it's something they did well or something they didn't do well. And if you constantly talk about it, then everybody embraces it more, understands it more, and it's more likely they're going to live it. Okay. So when you just said giving feedback tied to a core value, can you give like an example? So someone who's listening can like take your example and be like, yes, this is how I apply it. So an example of applying that was we had a CFO in a meeting uh, a few months back and this person went above and beyond after we finished a day in the meeting, he, uh, he needed to put together some data so we can have a better day the next day. And without anybody asking, he went and took on and reframed data. And then, uh, and, and I know there were emails going back and forth between him and the CEO until 11 p.m. Thanks to that person, we had a better meeting. So a way in which you would tie this back to what you want is in front of the entire group. I thank that person because of his extra effort going above and beyond, which was one of their core values. We were able to have a much better meeting that day and make better decisions. And had it not gone above and beyond, we probably would have had a suboptimal result. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, it is time to take a break. So when we come back, we'll continue to chat with Howard about developing an amazing culture of accountability that retains the right people. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abandp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Howard Shore told us about his background and how he began working with companies to help them develop their team successfully. Now let's continue our discussion. So, Howard, what are the components necessary to have complete accountability? 
So it starts with priorities. If priorities are not clear, then when you want to go back to an employee, let's say, for example, you wanted them to finish a specific product uh, project by a certain day. If you don't make that clear and you don't make that a priority for that person, then your accountability system is not going to work. Uh, we also need for accountability, we need metrics. People and every employee in the company should have one or two metrics that tell them whether they had a good day, a good week, or a good month. So metrics tell us whether we're moving along the way that we were expecting. And then when a metric is not what we expected it to be, it creates as a trigger for us to be able to go back and have a feedback loop with the person to be able to get them back on track. So it kind of works like a traffic light. And then the last piece is meetings. So when we're having meetings as a group, we have to focus on the stuff that we said were priorities. And very often when we go into meetings, what we see, we see people talking about things that are unrelated to what they said was most important. And so what they unconsciously do is they shift people away. And so what we use meetings for is, is a rhythm to keep everybody moving forward on track, staying focused, and also looking at those metrics and tracking the progress of the priorities to make sure that we're on track. Mm-hmm. And that's so important to have that feedback. I know sometimes a manager will feel like they don't want to micromanage, so they might assign a task and then they know it's due in a week or two. And then here it comes that deadline and, you know, maybe it wasn't met and the person didn't realize they weren't doing so well. So obviously we don't want to micromanage, but at the same time, you don't want to be completely hands off. Agreed. And and usually when you have enough clarity with the people that's working for you, you you don't have to micromanage, mm-hmm. but I don't see it as micromanaging is if we're observing metrics, we're observing ticking off the action plans, and then all of a sudden it's not getting done. It's our responsibility as leaders to call that out because they may not even realize that they've gone off track. And then if we wait too late or too long, then we're set up for failure. Right. So important. Well, now here we are in this era of people have had to leave their offices where they used to be in the same room or in the same building and could have, you know, feedback more often, and they're working virtually. So then what does accountability look like in this virtual era that we're in? So what's interesting is, is quite a number of organizations were already doing things virtually. Maybe part of their employee group was virtual and some of them weren't. All this did was make, I think, organizations more aware of how weak their accountability systems were to begin with. So if my accountability system is, is I have to keep my eye on you to make sure things are getting done, well, we're in trouble because how often can you sit there and just watch people and mm-hmm. watch their every movement? And you talked about micromanagement. So what people found out was is they didn't have the right meeting rhythms and they didn't have uh, a way of monitoring success like a dashboard. A lot of that stuff was missing. So what I'm seeing now is, first of all, COVID was very good, I think, for a lot of organizations because they're finding that they're communicating a lot more with their employees than they did when they were all in the same room. And they're using things like daily huddles, which we mm-hmm. use, or you, you do a five to 10 minute uh, quick check-in with the team and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, then what they were realizing is they needed centralized ways to look at dashboards so that everybody could see where the red light yellow lights and green lights were and getting everybody to be looking at that same data. And so what we're doing right now is, is we're, we're encouraging that people use some of the softwares that are out there so that you can interact. And then you have things like Yammer and WhatsApp, which are great tools to keep everybody engaged and, and companies are finding that they can make this work very well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important, especially for some people that um, are very social. Now, if you're having to be home, you know, you might feel kind of stuck and you miss that interaction. So having something where they can interact like that is important, not just to keep on track for, you know, your tasks that you have to do, but even just that little bit of personal interaction. And, and the reality is, is there are just some people that are not wired to work from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just violates their DNA coding. And and then also our employees, you know, I feel sorry for the 
the parents that are single parents, their kids are home, they have to help them study. And then on top of that, they're still trying to get their work done. And so there are some challenges. So I don't want to underplay it. But -hmm. the reality is, is with some of those people, you have to check in several times a day. So we require all of our managers to actually reach out one-on-one to every one of their team members every day just to see if there's any obstacles we can help them remove. Mm-hmm. That's so important. So then talking about reaching out and talking to them, what would you say are some of the best communication practices then that facilitate that culture of accountability? So I think for every, you have to look at the type of communication. What is your purpose of the communication? I think, well, change what, lack of a better term, agenda you're going to have every time you call somebody. So if I'm just reaching out and I'm doing those touch points every day with one of my direct reports, then really all I'm going to do is check in and and find out, you know, what's up and, you know, what's going on with you right now and is there anything I can do to help? If it's uh, our normal daily huddle structures where we're now meeting with, with a, a, a department department or, you know, a leadership team, you know, we're usually going to, you know, start off, we want to start with good energy. So we're going to start with what is the win from yesterday? You know, just share something that happened yesterday that was good, personal or business. Uh, If they have a metric that we're holding them accountable to, you know, what was your metric yesterday? Did you hit it? Uh, And we'll main reinforce core values. Uh, So this is a great time when you're you're having everybody together to just reinforce one of the core values. So Mary yesterday did X, Y, and Z, and, and that was great. And that, that demonstrated uh, our core value of integrity. And so you'll, you'll go through all that kind of stuff. But my, my favorite part is uh, getting everybody to think about what's your main thing today? What's, what's the main thing you got to get done when the day's all over? You got to finish this. What's your big thing today? And getting everybody to think about that, it's ironic that well, without them having to go to a meeting and report it, everybody just gets up in the morning and starts running. So mm-hmm. this helps them get focused for the day. And then the other piece that I found is extremely valuable in, in that rhythm is where's your stuck? What is what is holding you back from getting some, one of your major things done? You know, what is something that is an obstacle us as a leader can remove? And when you do all of that, it, it creates great dialogue and we can pulse faster as a business. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking quite a bit about these meetings, whether it's, you know, a quick first thing in the morning or maybe it's a little bit more formal every week. So what are the best practices then in those meetings to foster that accountability? So so first, they're, they're, you got to look at the rhythm of meetings. So we, we do a daily huddle. We do a weekly meeting with every department. Uh, and we also do uh, monthly meetings where we're kind of calibrating on the top. Your best practices in all of them, uh, some of them are going to be like simple things like start on time, finish on time, uh, make sure that you know, everybody knows why, the purpose of that meeting, what is what needs to be done by the end of that meeting. One of my favorite best practices when we're doing our weekly meeting as a team, uh, whether it's a department or the leadership team, is the who, what, when. So because mm-hmm. we had this meeting, let's say it's been an hour, who needs to do what, when, because we just spent an hour together. And to me, that's a test for a couple of things. Number one is if you have no who, what, when's because of the meeting, then you just wasted everybody's time. You basically spent an hour updating everything and you really didn't accomplish anything. There was no conflict, no problem solved, no new action plans. The second thing that that does is it, it creates transparency and commitment because when you get to the end of the meeting and you say, all right, so Jack, you agreed to finish uh, so-and-so project by the end of next week. Do I have that correct? When you're going down that list of who, what, wins, everybody's either going to say yes and more often than not, it's like, wait, I didn't commit to that. And you'll Mm -hmm. be like, well, we just spent half an hour talking about it. And, And the reality is, is you said, hey, I want you to do something and it didn't register in somebody's mind. And now all of a sudden you can align on that and, and make sure that everybody walks out of that meeting knowing what the marching orders are. Right. Well, then what measures would the leaders need to put in place to keep the employees who are working at home accountable? So when we think about the measures, first of all, um, we use a system called Metronome, uh, which is uh, 
it's a uh, it's 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 a it's a project management dashboarding system for making sure everybody's doing what they need to do and we like to have the key metrics in there and I think the metric is different depending on who you're talking to uh, and it goes back to making it clear what we expect from somebody. What are the one or two metrics that tells us that you're performing your role well? And and so you're going to choose those metrics based on the processes that they're, um, they're accountable for, based on the projects they have. So those metrics are going to be the milestones that their projects are on track. Those metrics are going to be hopefully leading indicators of the uh, success and our ability to achieve the goals for the quarter. Mm-hmm. So can you actually tell our listeners who, you know, maybe they're starting a business or maybe they're new to management or they're not quite sure, you know, what they should be using, what you would recommend or what some of the examples of metrics are that they could use for employees? So first of all, one of our favorite websites to find good key performance indicators is kpilibrary.com. Uh, but, but essentially, whenever you hire somebody, whenever you bring somebody on your team, you need to create that initial scorecard. Uh, the scorecard is the foundation for everything. So it's what is the mission I expect from, from this person that I'm going to bring on board? What is the, in one or two sentences, what won't happen if, if this person isn't on board? And they need to know that that's the expectation. And then what are the accountabilities and responsibilities of that person? And then what is the measure of success to show us that the accountabilities got done. So for example, if I'm a leader, one of my primary accountabilities is to make sure that everybody on my team is performing. And so mm-hmm. we will, a measure I would have for that person is the percentage of employees that are living all of our core values and achieving their metrics. So, uh, so there's gonna be a line of sight between what we expect and uh, what we're gonna wanna measure. Right. And obviously there's different metrics for different, you know, positions or different, you know, employees, but, you know, you might have, you know, that a certain amount of their workday is spent on certain tasks. Like maybe, you know, they limit their non-billable time if it's tasks that they're supposed to be doing billable. So maybe like 80% of your day needs to be at least billable time or, you know, things like that, um, that business owners could use as metrics for their employees. That's a great example. Right. Or even if someone has an issue with attendance or, you know, tardiness, maybe it's even, you know, you're on time 95% of the time or something, you know, like that, too. So just depending on what your goal is with that person, correct? Yeah, and I hope you're dealing with better ones than that. So if you look at, <laughs> yeah, if we're dealing with that, then we probably have the wrong player on the bus, right? right? So, well, I'm so, thinking of other ones, too. Even like you could track like, you know, income by you know, customer, you know, and maybe if you're looking at the customers assigned to that employee, like how much revenue is being generated by the work they're doing, or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things we could really be looking at. But um, I was just trying to throw out like easy, like examples too. Yeah. And, and when they're looking through their lenses, think about, about balance set of metrics. So there's relationships and then there's performance metrics, relationships we want to get, keep and grow them. Right. And then the match, the performance ones are, are process oriented and making them better, faster or cheaper. So you got to think about what is the process that they own. So let's say, for example, I'm a salesperson, it becomes easy. Are they having enough meetings every week? Are they hitting their quotas? Are they... uh, are they adding enough new accounts and so forth? And so that would be a sales process. And then, for example, our coaches in our coaching organization, we measure every time they do a meeting, we, we measure uh, the uh, how the customer actually sees the value of the coach brought in the meeting, and we measure their engagement scores as well. So we're going to get measures to see uh, whether the, the coach was effective. We're going to mm-hmm. see whether the content was effective, and we actually have a, a score, and our coaches are expect to achieve a minimum score when they do that. And we also want the team that we're working with to measure themselves on how engaged they were, which tells us how good the coach was in engaging their audience that they were working with. And so those are some examples of measures we use with coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, it's so important to actually come up with these and even have them when you're hiring someone because, you know, most people have like a 90 day review period too. And so if you tell, you know, your new employee, like these are the things we're looking at, this is how we're going to be judging your performance. It's much easier for them to know what those guidelines are and so they can, you know, strive to meet them. 
One of my early mentors shared with me the quote I'm sure you've heard is what gets measured gets done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they have to know what you're measuring. And when they see it and then they're measuring it, they'll get it done. Exactly. Well, believe it or not, it's time to take another quick break. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Howard Shore of Activate Group on developing accountability. We'll be right back after a brief commercial break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Howard Shore of Activate Group. Let's find out a bit more information from him on developing a culture of accountability. So, Howard, in the last segment, we were talking about the feedback loop. So, I would love for you to explain specifically what your accountability feedback loop is. Excellent. So, first of all, it starts with that scorecard that I talked about in the last segment. Uh, and many times, we'll get that scorecard down on a three-by-five card. So, as soon as somebody comes into your organization, you, you've got to really make it clear what's expected. So, we get to the mission. What are the things they need to do? What are the core values they need to live? What are the measures? And so the feedback loop starts with there. So if you haven't done that, then if you give people feedback, they're going to say, well, I didn't know that was expected of me. And so so first, we're going to make it clear what we want. Then we're going to monitor what's going on, and we're either going to be uh, you know, lack of a better term, high-fiving people as they're moving along and doing what we want. And when they are not, you, you want to quickly get the feedback to them. So we're in a day and age where people are used to their cell phones and, mm-hmm. and sitting on their phone the whole time and, and playing video games and getting immediate feedback. Uh, in this generational time, we have to kind of think about that as our way of leading, not waiting for the year end to give people performance feedbacks, but giving it to them every day, both the positive and the negative. And I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening to this. You're probably not giving enough positive feedback. I would almost argue that you're lucky if it's 10 to 1, 10 negative feedbacks to 1 positive feedback. And we're usually not very good about giving people uh, positive feedback for things that we think are just doing your job, mm-hmm. but we need to reinforce it. So the feedback loop is to reinforce behaviors that are consistent with how we want people to act and, and lead in our organizations. And then we, we also need to give the feedback when they run off course. So 
this is where the dashboards come in is you need to have dashboards all over the place showing when people are on track and they're off track so they can see for themselves it's kind of like being at a sporting event you know i was watching the the heat lakers game last night and you know you can see who's got more rebounds who's mm-hmm. who's doing their job who's not doing their job and anybody can see it which by the way creates peer pressure you want that create that environment and that engaging environment so that people know all right i made the right step oh green light oh i made the wrong step yellow light and it's just you want to guide people so that they can hold themselves accountable rather than you having to walk around all day saying uh you know basically micromanaging as you said earlier Mm-hmm. And since we, again, aren't all in the same room or if it's on the wall, like it used to be in the old days, right? You'd see, you know, the line going up, like we're meeting our goal or different things like that. How would you recommend having that where people can see it and having that as a driving factor if they're not able to see it in a normal office building where they used to be? So the system metronome uh, that we use, there's actually a war room in there. So we have pictures up in the war room Mm -hmm. and and then everybody has access to see their numbers as well as other numbers and they have access to it. But but if you don't want to invest in something like that, I mean I've I've had some companies that we've worked with that Pre-COVID, were 100% virtual globally, and they had massive Excel spreadsheets where you'd have a marketing spreadsheet um, in Excel sitting out on Google Docs, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a accounting one, and every department had their own sheet, and then you had the overall company sheet showing everybody the the one-page strategic plan, and everybody could see it. And then when they did their weekly meetings and they did their uh, their huddles, they'd pull these things up and talk about them. So whether you're in person or not, everybody has access to that spreadsheet, and everybody was required to update it and monitor it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing now with technology, there are quite a few options out there that we can look into to use to make it a little bit easier. So how does accountability allow team members to reach their full potential? So when you think about and and there's two ways to look at this is so first of all, I believe that everybody comes to work every day and they really want to win. We just have to show them what winning is. Mm-hmm. So um, so can you remind me of the question again? Because I want to make sure I answer it correctly. Sure. How does accountability allow team members to reach their full potential? So around this concept of wanting to win. So once you've made it clear what winning looks like, most people are going to go after it. Most people don't come in in the morning and say, you know, I just want to, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to win. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, by going through the conflict and getting the commitment, you, you now create an environment where they've agreed to, hey, I want to win and mm-hmm. I'm going to go and get that. And, and, and that's basically how it happens. So then how does the accountability help the business retain the right people? So when you're winning, and, and it's really funny, I had this discussion with a company recently, COVID hit them pretty bad. And pre-COVID, they weren't necessarily doing great, but it felt like they were doing great. And so everybody felt excited when they thought they were, were winning. And now COVID took the wind out of the sails. And he's like, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, this great team of people have lost their energy. And, and what we realized was is the metrics hadn't been reset and the goals hadn't been reset for the current environment. So what happens is, is, you know, think about the video game now on your phone. When you do something and it shows you you got some points or you mm-hmm. won or whatever, you're now more motivated, right? Mm-hmm. So. So that's why we need this constant feedback loop because by having accountability, it actually gives people self-esteem. It raises their self-esteem. And when they start seeing that everybody around them, because that's your required culture, is performing, everybody wants to be on a winning team and they want to keep that feeling and that keeps them going. When people feel like they're losing or they're unclear or they're uncertain, they're now less motivated and they start looking at other things that may fill that gap that lack of fulfillment because they're coming to work every day, working hard, giving their all, but they don't have that sense of win. Mm-hmm. Right. So then what obstacles would business leaders run into when trying to measure accountability remotely? Well, whether it's remote or not, the, the number one 
question or challenge that we see is first people are not sure what they want to measure for each person. They're not Mm -hmm. sure how to go about that process of finding the right KPIs, finding the right goals for each person. And so that's probably the main area of where it falls down. And now when you take this virtually, how do you communicate that? How do you reinforce it? So you really do need to have a mechanism so that people can see it, touch it. Because too often I see organizations even pre-COVID, they say, listen, these are my expectations for you, but nowhere would it be posted for that person to see that they're mm-hmm. actually doing what was expected of them. So now you have the added challenge is if you are in your building, so you shared a lot of people write stuff up on their walls and, and, and they make it visible inside the office. Well, the challenge you're going to have now is how are you going to deploy that outside of the office so you can create that same feeling uh, and those same pictures for people to see so they can be just as motivated. Right. And I think it comes down to, I mean, some people are externally motivated and some people are internally motivated as well. So I'd love for you to maybe even touch on that. Like, how can a manager, you know, help make sure their employees are motivated when they're working from home, they have these different, you know, internal or external drivers. Like, so how would a manager determine what those motivators are and be able to motivate them from being a remote workplace? Wow, that's a fabulous question. So one of the things I recommend everybody uh, on listening to this, think, you know, I want to recommend that you go out and you learn about behavioral styling. Um, there's there's something called DISC. Um, it's mm-hmm. an acronym for um, understanding people's behavior. And so you'll see a direct correlation between their personal behavioral style and, and, and a, a lot of how they're motivated and how you have to interact with them. So with each person, you have to understand their style and then adjust your leadership to that person. Uh, there, there's an old saying that treat people the way you want to be treated. Well, this does not help with employee motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to treat them the way they want to be treated. So with the people that are more social and stuff like that, and they need more of that interaction, uh, they also tend to need more pats on the back um, mm-hmm. constantly. And so you probably need to give two to three times the number of pats on the back and also maybe reaching out to the people that are high extrovert. And then the ones that are introverted, you know, they don't actually receive that very well. So you've mm-hmm. got to adjust that styling to kind of get it right. Right. And I've, I've learned that over the years, too, with just, you know, some people just feel a sense of accomplishment and that's a motivator just right there. But some like bonuses or, you know, different things as well, too. So really just understanding each person. And it's not always easy to tell right away um, unless, like you said, you have one of these analysis tests or things that you do. But just working with them and figuring out what motivates them that would help them stay accountable to the tasks that they need to accomplish is really important. I highly recommend that uh, if someone's listening to this and and they haven't incorporated uh, DISC or Myers-Briggs or or things like that into the architecture of their management, uh, I I highly recommend it. Uh, After I learned uh, the language of behavior, it significantly 10x my ability to be a good communicator, a good manager, a good leader, uh, because I was just oblivious. I, mm-hmm. I just treated everybody the way I wanted to be treated, and it just didn't work. Right. I think one of the things that I found helpful, too, I had a business coach years ago that had us do strength finders. I don't know if you've used that before, too, but you take the test and you find out your five top strengths. And although that's a little bit different than motivators, it also helps you know when someone's in a certain position, you know, if that's a good fit for them based on kind of what their strengths are. And I think that's really, you know, helpful as well. And you could use that to even help identify what their goals could be and how, you know, that all works into the whole package. Strength finders is great stuff. (laughs) There's so much out there, though. That's the thing. We don't always know what we don't know. And so just like these conversations, that's why I love to have these radio shows, too, and have experts come on and just talk about some of these things, because 
they'll learn something. Maybe someone learned about DISC and kind of what that is as well as, um, you know, like I said, Strength Finders or Myers-Briggs, like just finding out those topics. So, but we're actually coming close to the end of the show. So I want to make sure I give you enough time to share if you have an offer uh, you have for the listeners. So first of all, I want to tell everybody who's listening, I have never met a company that there isn't tremendous amount of growth and profit potential being left on the table. And the Mm -hmm. secret to unlocking that potential is actually unlocking the potential of the rest of the people in the organization. I also believe that every... uh, to achieve those results, you need a system. You need a proven process. And by doing that, you'll actually reduce your stress. You'll you'll accelerate those results and you'll find more time to do the things that are more important to you. So the offer I would want to make to the audience is, first of all, we have never met a business where we cannot bring a million dollars to your bottom line. Hasn't happened yet. And I'd love anybody on here to prove differently. And so what I would want to offer to this audience is if you want to get on a phone with one of our coaches, uh, we'll, we'll help you see where that can be found and how to unlock it. And then with regard to if, if you're not worried about that piece, but you've heard about, you know, how do we make our, our teams more effective? How do we unlock them more? I would love to just get on a call with them and help them understand how to do that. Okay, perfect. And if listeners want to reach you, how would they find you and connect with you? Okay, so they would go to our website at www.activategroupinc.com. You'd fill out the form and contact you. You can call me at 305-722-7213. And if you just want to start getting exposed to the concepts real quickly, my new book, The Leader Launchpad, has hit all the bestseller lists and has been selling like hotcakes and uh, that might be a great place for them to start okay perfect Uh, so I just want to thank you too for coming today and sharing your information with us this has been a great topic I'm sure there's more we could even discuss on this topic but it's a great start to the conversation Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and I want to thank you for helping me achieve one of my audacious goals, which is I want to change and impact over 500,000 lives. And the only way I'm going to do that is by participating in shows like yours. Well, we're glad that it was a mutual benefit. <laughs> so I want to also thank the listeners for tuning in and finding out this information on this topic. Uh, I hope you found it interesting and that it answered some questions about developing an amazing culture of accountability that retains the right people. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Howard at any of the links that he shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know, I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is taking your live event to hybrid or virtual. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is www.abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.